This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that puts the fun in fundamentals, the fine in financials, and the fool in thoughtful. I'm Andrew Page, and with me is Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, fools. Apologies for that. <laughs> They're always bad. They we've, always we've, bad. we've got to stay consistent. <laughs> what we're best at. <laughs> Today on the podcast, well, we're going to continue with our earnings palooza. We are still in the middle of earnings season. We're going to look at Transurban Car Sales and Realestate.com this week. We're also, as much as we try to avoid it, we're going to go a little bit back to Trump oh, here land. We go again. There's a tax package that's been hinted at. What does that mean and why is Wall Street so excited? And Aussies, they're under a bit of financial stress. What can you do to avoid it? But Scott, let's go yes. back to Earnings Palooza. Earnings Palooza. So let's, we've got two similar companies and one company that couldn't be more different. Let's break it up a little <laughs> bit and let's start with car sales. Yes, car sales, the dominant car classifieds company in the country. Try saying that three times or after four beers. Uh, Phil should be happy to know we're doing this in the morning. So my pronunciation is about as good as it's going to be. <laughs> and car sales, look, it was a really interesting result from the company. Remember car sales. So this is, this is a business that is fundamentally the car sales website, as we know. Yep. But it's also a whole lot of other websites, both here in Australia and importantly, overseas. Uh, and the good news was in Australia, the bad news for a change and relatively unusually was overseas. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to car sales, it's, look, the, the result was very good. Frankly, the, the revenue was up 7% on last year, which for an already dominant classifieds company is very, very, very good. Yeah. Um, the Australian numbers were, were fantastic. As I said, most importantly, the private sales were up. So think about the revenue it makes from dealers. Mm. That's actually not car listings. That's largely advertising. The banner ads you see when you go to a site, they make most of their money from that. Mm -hmm. But importantly, this time it's the, it's the details of the private sale. So the, literally oh, okay. the number of cars we're advertising yep. on the classifieds, that was up really strongly up. In fact, 26%. So really, really good results there. Overseas wasn't so good. Brazil in particular, it's going through its own economic challenges at the moment. Mm, and car sales really, really struggle there. But look, car There's sales, a very bright future there though in Brazil, right. isn't it? And this is, this is exactly the story is car sales are taking today's revenues and investing them for tomorrow. That's not in Australia anymore. Quite frankly, the car classifieds business is so mature here. You know, yep. this is 25 years ago. We were all still advertising in the newspaper when we wanted to buy or sell a car. Wasn't the that old, long ago, really? The was old it? trading post that used to be printed no mm. longer exists, of course. That's right. That was where, you know, that and-, and Tell them they're you dreaming. Know, your local, your local mm. newspaper was where you did all your car buying and selling. Yep. Of course, you went down to the dealership and did other things. Sure. These days, the first stop shop for every, literally everybody yep. is online. And so that's now very, very mature here in Australia. It's out of the way. Um, it's all about overseas growth. Mm. But the good news, as I said, despite all the things I just said, private listing revenue was up 26% for car sales. And that really demonstrates their dominance. Well, the market really liked it. So I noticed the share price had a, a little bit of a run on the back of that. And that is always, look, frankly, the market doesn't always get these things right, but we're happy to see it up. It's a recommendation for us at Motley Fool Share Advisor. I like the company. It's a, it's a high quality business. And is it still a buy? It is. Now, speaking of cars though. Let's talk about Transurban. Transurban. Well, From as buying I said, cars to driving them yeah, and very, paying a pretty penny to do a so. very different business. So. Indeed. I regard Transurban as one of the higher quality businesses on our market. Um, it's a very boring business, um, but it is an easy to understand business. And this is the kind of thing, if you were to sort of bet on what company is going to be around in 50 years time, I, I would, I would bet my left arm that it's going to be Transurban. So those that don't know, these guys own a bunch of toll roads, a whole bunch in Sydney, Melbourne, even some over you know, in the US. And, uh, we've been covering this company for a while and I just, I just, it's deja vu every time I, I write a, a results update because the story is the same. It's traffic numbers were up. 
Um, anyone who lives in Sydney or Melbourne won't be surprised to hear that. But more importantly, the increase in toll revenue is always greater than the increase in traffic numbers. So which... hang on, more cars, but even more money. That means I'm getting stung, doesn't it? Yeah, so it's not good if you're a commuter. <laughs> uh, I, I pay my fair share of, of transurban tolls, I'll have you know. So you're telling me I've put some money back in transurban shareholders' pockets. Two words, my friend, pricing power. <laughs> you got it. D don't take the toll road if you don't want to. Um, oh, battle the traffic gotta, elsewhere. Good, good luck with that. traffic or traffic lights and the stopping and starting of the car and... I just want to go down the toll road, but right. I don't want to have to pay for it. It's a thing of beauty, it is right? A, well, so, so if this, you're a shareholder. So again, I look in my crystal ball. What does the future hold? Well, I think more and more people living in these centers, more and more cars on the road. And a company with such phenomenal pricing power, they're able to put those tolls up um, at a pretty uh, decent clip each year. And so you see this again and again and again. So it's done wonderfully. Uh, I think it was a very decent result. Um, the The... The thing to watch with Transurban mm. is it's a phenomenally capital intensive business. It's usually the kind of business I, I, I stay away from. It just, you've got to plow a pile of dough into this thing. You know, right. building it, I don't know if you've ever I tried. I have to, or the company has to. <laughs> well, if you're a shareholder, I guess <laughs> indirectly you are. So, right, you, right. you know, a toll road ain't cheap. We're talking many <laughs> billions of dollars and a long time to build. So you pay the, the government for the privilege, then you put a whole lot of tar and asphalt and stuff down. You build some gantries, you do all that kind of stuff. You but, spend a fortune putting this road in place. But once it's built, there is... <laughs> Is the, you know the, the relatively the the maintenance costs are pretty good, and you've just you're just clipping the ticket for every car, truck, and bike that that passes through there. Um, you also get these very substantial depreciation non-cash charges as well. So the actual cash flow that flows out of this thing is much greater than what the the, the statutory net profit result. I'm going way into the rabbit hole but here. That is, but that Let me pull of, back. Well, that is kind of the point though, right? Because if you looked at Transurban's earnings yeah. and the PE ratio, oh, it's crazy. you'd be like, this thing's making no money. It's stupidly expensive. A lot of people hell? look at it that way. And it's, it's, it's the absolute wrong way to look at it. You need to look here at the, what they call proportional cash earnings. Um, and that just shows you what they, what all of the assets they've made relative to the proportion of those assets they've owned, how much cash is that actually deal, delivered. And that's important because that's where the, the distributions come from or the dividends. Um, so look, I, I think it's really wonderful. The thing of course to watch is mm. because, because it costs so much money to build, um, uh, yes, shareholders tip in some money, but they borrow a hell of a lot of money. So the balance sheet has got a huge amount of debt on there. Oh, so you, you tell me this is wonderful toll road business makes a lot of money. And then you're telling me about the, is it billions? Is it, well, is it a billion oh, it's a, it? yeah, it is. It's definitely, it's and, like Sydney and, airport, right? And, and interest rates have never been lower. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and the, so they're going to go which way next? So debt is not necessarily a four letter word. <laughs> So when you no, it, well, it still is. Well, look, when, well, when you've got like every every Australian in the country has a massive pile of debt yeah, against yeah, yeah. an asset that's not nearly as um, uh, profitable <laughs> as as a toll road. Um, but the the point is, is that leverage is okay as long as it's conservative. When you've got a business that has such reliable rising cash flows yep. and you can support that very modestly, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Okay. Where you have to really watch this thing though is, as you said, we've got interest rates at historic lows. Everyone's now talking about interest rates going up. You know, as interest rates go up, that's going to obviously impact the interest bill. That's going to reduce uh, profit. So hang on. I, I seem to recall back in the GFC, mm. more than one property company who'd previously said, we've got a lot of debt, but it's actually helping us it's helping us leverage our returns. Yeah, right. This debt is good debt. It's good for us. Not a full letter word. It's great. Yes. And then the GFC hit, and then the likes of Centro and others, which have been renamed, I think, once or twice since then, oh, yeah. went straight to the wall and investors got almost nothing. So yeah, very good was, point. that was the same model, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, very, very good point. Well, the difference is, was the reliability of earnings from those assets. So those guys there didn't have anywhere near the same kind of reliability <laughs> uh, as, as these guys do.
to... You're saying there's no chance I'm going to be driving down the side roads anytime soon? Well, look, there's really not, frankly. Okay. Um, and and the, other, the other point as well is that these, these guys have um, mandated toll increases that are linked to inflation. So without mm. going too far down the rabbit hole here, interest rates and inflation tend to be linked. So in any kind of environment where interest rates are likely to be going up uh, substantially, it's a fairly decent bet that they'll be able to increase their tolls uh, reasonably in line with that. So, buy so it's a bit of a hedge. Andrew? Uh, look, for me, we look as wonderful as this thing was, we thought it got a little bit crazy. So it has been a recommendation for us for a while. Okay. We'd had it on hold. Who's it was us, up by around, the way? It's, it's me at Motley Fool Dividend Investor. Excellent. Um, it's done very Richard well. plug. Yeah, you had to do it, right? Yep. Um, and uh, it got up to a 1260 above that or so. Right. Um, now that it's pulled back a little bit. Um, we, about we, where? Uh, well, look, now it's around just under $11. Okay. Uh, when we moved it back to buy, it was down closer to about 1050 or so. And okay. we think there's actually some decent value. Look, Scott, you're not going to be running out buying this and then having a Ferrari next week. Um, <laughs> but this is, this is the classic stock for someone who wants to set and forget, pop it in the bottom drawer and get a very, very reliable income stream. I like it. So it's a buy. It's a buy. Now I'm going to talk about interest rates again, but okay. I'm not going to talk about property prices. Well, I am slightly. I'm going to talk about the company that makes money from you, me and everybody else engaging in the great property Roundabout, monopoly game, call it what you will. That is the Sydney and Australian property market, realestate.com. What a phenomenal business. Now, the company is yep. known as REA Group because businesses like to rename themselves and they're trying to make sure that we know that it's not just about realestate.com, but newsflash, it's all about realestate.com. Real real REA Group, actually only this morning, this is hot off the presses. This is the Motley Fool cares so much about our listeners, Andrew. We rushed down. We had a look at the press release over mm -hmm. our computers in our hotbed of well, we had breakfast and looked at it, but the REA numbers came out and revenue was up 16% from core operations. Now, this is, this is, I just finished talking about car sales, right? This is a very mature business. Mm -hmm. The car classifies business as mature. Revenue is up 7%. That's a good result. Yep. And it is. Yep. Property in Australia is every bit as mature a market and revenue was up 16%. How do they do it? Well, a couple of ways. The first is that you mean everybody else sold more houses this year than last year. Mm -hmm. So we literally just paid more money to list more stuff on the website, yep, right? Yep. And REA makes money there. And yep. that's a cyclical thing that we'll get to in a second. The second thing is they charge us a lot of money to, to improve our listings. Now, yep. if you're going to sell a house in Sydney, I think the average house price in Sydney is about $48 million at the moment. You're not going <laughs> to sell- That's just for one bedroom well, studios. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's for half a one bedroom studio. <laughs> that's the studio bit. The bedroom's extra. <laughs> that's right. um, you, you're going to pay- more to make sure you get the very best possible listing on the site, right? I'm not going to say, well, I'm selling my, let's be, let's be serious. The average price in Sydney is actually $1.1 million, mm. believe it or not. Mm. If I'm selling my $1.1 million house in Sydney, I'm not going to say, I don't mind if I have a little tiny listing on the bottom of page five. Yeah. I'm going to say, you know what? I, if I'm selling my $1.1 million house, I'm probably buying a $2 million house because that's what Sydney siders do. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go and make sure I get the very best possible price. How do I do that? I get lots of photos, premium listings. I get what they call bumps. So it goes up the list. Yep. It gets sent yep. out in feature advertising. I want everybody to see this thing. And I want so many people at the auction mm. that they're throwing money at me and trying to you know, take my house. Now, yep. that is kind of what happens at auctions. And, and Sydney, that, that costs a bit of money, right? But relative to what's at stake you here, it. it is so cheap. So when someone says we might have to spend, I don't know, five grand on yep. all this stuff. Well, I'm trying to sell a $2 million house here. I mean, what's the difference? It's a rounding error. If I try and charge you five bucks for a $4 coffee, you are going to go absolutely bananas. <laughs> 
If I say to you, pay me two grand instead of one grand for advertising on a million dollar house, yeah. you're not even going to blink. Yeah. You're going to say, absolutely, Whatever. can I please throw you more? Yep. Yep. And that's behind REA's success. Mm -hmm. Now, in Europe, it's actually exited its European business, which is interesting, mm. um, selling to a private capital business. That's a smart idea. Um, but it also, like car sales, has access to other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And in this case, REA bought or merged with iProperty Group, who run right. real estate websites through Asia. And so yep. REA knows it's in a relatively mature market here in Australia. Frankly, the the party that is Australian real estate can't go on forever. Mm -hmm. And at some point that growth is going to slow. In fact, it might be negative in some years in the future if listings fall or prices fall. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Prices don't <laughs> ever go down in property. No, but the listing prices may. Well, I think they probably will anyway. The <laughs> listing prices probably will fall if, sure. if the heat comes out of the property market. Mm. Maybe that two grand you're going to spend on the ad, you might say, well, can I do it for one and a half, please? Mm. And so the average the average revenue per ad may well fall slightly. So okay. you've got that. Um, but it's still a volume know. thing though, right? So let's it say is. prices fall and they have to pull back their prices. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's not so much about, you know, how much money people have made or lost on selling their house. It's Correct. really just, the, it's the transactional volume that's going through. And so it should be re well, more, yeah. more robust than you would otherwise expect. I like REA a lot. I, I think it's a buy. Um, I don't though believe that it will be all beer and Skittles. I do think if things get a little bit tough, a little bit tight in the market, um, I think people will start to pay a little bit less for advertising just because of that wealth effect. You know, if you yeah. if you think the price is going up twenty percent, you'll spend everything you can. Yeah. If you think you're probably going to sell for roughly what you bought it for two years ago, mm. you're probably not going to spend a fortune to get rid of it. Yeah. So yeah. there is some kind of psychology there that I think when the heat comes out of the property price market or property yeah. prices in the property market, I think you might well see something about a, a cooling yeah. in the amount of money people are prepared to pay for that advertising. Sure, sure. So not totally immune, but perhaps a little bit more robust than you would at first think. This will be a cyclical business, but despite that, I think the long-term future is bright and it's a buy for me. Yeah, it's a really attractive business in a lot of ways. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Well, we've got a few, we keep, every week we say, you know, we, we're sitting here, what are we going to talk about on the podcast? And we're like, we talk about Trump. Like, Mate, we've done it every bloody week. And yet. And yet. And yet. And yet. He comes out and he's, so anyway. So in, in, the tweet machine, the one man tweet machine that is Donald Trump so forget, has been added So forget any formal, um, you know, press announcement. We, we get it all through Twitter. And he's tweeted overnight that, you know, expect a phenomenal tax Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, and you know, so, so phenomenal tax announcement. So it lit a fire under the, the US market. Our market expected <laughs> really well. Share prices soared up, and it makes sense, right? It makes sense. So you know, if 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 corporations in the US are paying less tax, they're making more money. If they're making more money rationally, people should be prepared to pay more for them. If if <laughs> now here's the other thing. That's the so biggest little word in the dictionary. We by kind the way. of get to this sort of this uh, philosophy slash ideology with yep. economics, which is sort of known best as this trickle-down effect. Yes. So walk us through that, if you would, Mr. Phillips. All right. So I will say very, very early on, we've had a little bit of feedback about our comments about Donald Trump. I have been personally accused of being biased. And so <laughs> I, I, I have a very thick skin. I don't mind the accusation. But what I will say is our comment here is about the philosophy and about the reality of the policy, not about the man or the politics. So we have no particular agenda when it comes to the political views here. Is Donald Trump worth electing? Is he not worth electing? Should we write 
Democrat, Republican, Liberal, Labor. We don't care on the podcast. What we do care about is the financial impact of what's going on. And so mm. I've been and very- And we're always right too. So we, we are you've got to right. factor that. I, I did say on our, on our members only forums, I said, I think Donald Trump's policies are dumb and I will stand by that. Mm-hmm. That's not about Trump. It's not about whether we should have been elected. It's simply a matter of, I think the policies economically are dumb. And a case in point is trickle down economics. Mm. Now, plenty of people will remember the go-go years of the early 1980s. Mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan- Reaganomics. Maggie Thatcher, Reaganomics, Thatcheronomics. Um, Bob Hawke, Paul Keating jumped on the bandwagon. John Howard then in 96 had his white picket fence. This was a period of less regulation. And quite frankly, for a little while, it actually did some really good things. So the deregulation of the world economies, the floating of the dollar, the reduction in tariffs, Mm. there were some really, really positive things that came out of Reaganomics. Yes, totally. The problem was trickle-down economics has been an absolute bust. Mm. There are no, there's no serious economist who's not trying to push an ideological barrow Mm. who thinks that trickle-down economics works. And the, the, simple, the simple proof is, if you look at the average wages of the average US worker mm-hmm. relative to the top 1%, I'm not going to get into that 1% you know, political rubbish, the rich, the very, very rich are getting much, much, much richer at a mm. super fast rate. Yeah, there's a widening gap. The, west, the rest of the economy, the rest of the workers in the economy aren't getting better wages. Now, mm. Trump will say that's because of China, it's because of trades, because of a whole lot of other stuff. Mm. There is an element of truth to that, quite frankly. That is absolutely mitigating against it. But the problem is that trickle-down economics was supposed to fix that problem and it doesn't mm. work. Mm. So does Trump have some Trump has some very fair claims when it comes to the economy isn't working for the main the, you know the main street worker. That's mm. absolutely undeniably true. Yep, true. The solutions though I don't believe are Donald Trump's solutions and very very plainly trickle-down does not work and the simple reality is this. If I've got a million dollars and you cut my taxes by 10%. Yep. Let's say I've got 2 million dollars at the end of the year, yep. right? The extra million dollars I had, maybe I buy a Ferrari, maybe I don't. Mm-hmm. Maybe I buy a new couch, maybe I don't. Mm. But of that extra million bucks I make, I'm going to spend a small proportion of that. Mm. So let's say I spend half it. Let's just mm-hmm. let's say I spend half. So mm-hmm. we had half a million dollars back to the economy. Mm. If that million dollars in tax cuts had instead of being delivered to people on the dole, on the pension, on minimum wage, mm. they are going to spend every single dollar of that. You so a million dollars of tax cuts delivered to the bottom of the income spectrum, yep. the full amount goes back into the economy. Straight back in. So you've got double the amount going into the economy. Here's the extra kicker without getting <coughs> excuse me, super, super wonky here. The multiplier effect that economists talk about. Every dollar that goes into the economy tends to create about $6 of economic activity. Mm. So not only have you got the million dollars going all into the economy, mm. it creates six million bucks worth of activity. Someone's spending is another person's income. The half million yep. dollars the, the rich person might spend creates mm. three million dollars of, of opportunity. So not only is it not yep. half a million dollars of difference, yep. it's a full three million dollars worth of difference. Now, again, we can argue about policy. We can argue about wasted money. We can argue about tax cheats and welfare cheats and dull bludgers and God knows what else. Mm. The simple reality is this purely economically. Mm. If your goal is to improve economic growth, you've put the money where it's going to be spent Mm. and where it's going to, as you said, Andrew, one man's income is another man's expenditure and Mm. vice versa. Mm. That transition through the economy is much, much, much better targeted for everybody, including capitalists who get the value of the money being spent in the shops. Mm. If the tax cuts are targeted or the spending is targeted at the lower end of the income spectrum, not at the higher end. That's what's bizarre about this too, is it's, it's not, it's kind of like climate change in the sense <laughs> that there are different schools of oh God, thought. Now we're going to the climate change. So just to further, stand, stand by, just to further polarize <laughs> our, our, our audience here. 
but it is. It's Mom, what, thanks for thanks for keeping listening. I'm just going to state facts here, okay? So I'm not I'm not going to not going to get into my personal philosophy. But, it, but where it's similar is is that you get if you were were to poll every economist in the world, it'd be something yeah. like 98 percent would say no, it doesn't work. Yeah, trickle down, you mate. And we've had the experiment. Yeah. We've tried it. Yeah, we've tried it. This life. is this yeah. is and not like a hundred years ago, right? This is stuff that we have tried in the relatively recent past, and there's, you know the, the results are in it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's what's so bizarre about it. So, but I, I finish this section up though. <laughs> the market's obviously liked it. Yes. The markets are usually pretty efficient. And so here's the thing. You asked the question about, does it, does it improve returns for shareholders? Yes. In the short term, it absolutely does. If the tax take goes down, yeah. then the companies have more money left over. Shareholders get the share of after-tax profits. Yep. And so in the short term, that one-off benefit absolutely benefits shareholders. It benefits share prices because you pay a multiple of profits. Mm -hmm. If profits are higher, you pay a higher multiple. That means a higher share price. Mm -hmm. So in the short term, that matters. Mm -hmm. Over the long term, though, if you said to me, do I want a tax cut? If I, if I owned a company, let's say I owned Phillips Enterprises, mm -hmm. do I want a 10% pay cut to Phillips Enterprises today? Mm -hmm. Or do I want longer term higher economic growth in the next 45 years, oh, I'll that. take that. And yeah. that and that's the key difference, right? Yeah, so without a doubt. yes, the markets get excited because they're super short term, mm -hmm. tax cut today, hey, prices go up, everyone's happy. Yeah, That is a far worse outcome, demonstrably proven, as you said, by mm. history, mm. than if the government had said, let's actually put give the money to people who will spend it so it actually improves economic activity and it improves the future profits and ongoing profits mm. of Phillips Enterprises and every other company on the ASX and US markets. You've also got to wonder what happens to to uh, government revenues, right? If they're they're reducing the company tax take, that's <laughs> but that's a whole other kettle of fish which we do not have time to get into. I was about to get started. I'll get that off my soapbox. We could go on and <laughs> on. We? It's a fascinating thing. We'll continue to watch it. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Another thing that comes up every now and again is... Speaking of economic hardship. This is, this is <laughs> something that comes up uh, relatively frequently, um, yeah. especially in recent years. And we've, we saw another report recently that 30% um, of Australian households are under some sort of financial stress, yeah. um, which is interesting when you consider that we have such low unemployment uh, and, and, and the rest of it. Yeah. Um, uh, so there was this, uh, the national debt helpline reckoned that there was 14,000 unanswered calls. They just did not have wow. the resources in January to, to deal with that. They were saying one in five of the population had trouble paying a bill mm. last year and have zero cash in the bank. So mm. it's a very, very serious kind of issue. Mm. I guess without spending too long on it, like, we just sort of wanted to, for anyone in that position, yep. offer, offer some sort of like practical common sense kind of advice. Yeah. Look, I mean, we... This is, this is the kind of advice that you get from your doctor when he says, here's what you need to do. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's the, when you go to the doctor and say, look, doc, I'm a little bit overweight. What can I do? Can you give me any easy plans? There's no, eat less and exercise more. Mm. And this is the eat less, no, exercise I just, I, more. Solution, I just want right? a pill though. Can I? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what's the easy option? Yeah. Um, the easy option is there is no easy option. Um, and the easy option is taking the hard option because that's the one that's going to get you out of trouble. Yeah. So fools, as you listen to this, this is going to be direct and pretty, and pretty straight. Um, but you need to hear it. If you're in financial stress right now, it's because you are spending too much money on a daily, weekly, and monthly or basis. Or have in the past. Yep. And, this is, and this is exactly, that's mm. the challenge. So the very first thing you can do is cut up the credit card. Just literally stop what you're doing, pause the podcast, cut up the credit card. If you're in financial stress, there's every chance you're carrying too much money on the credit card and you need to change your spending habits. It may very well be, as Andrew said, the past that's got you into trouble. But the reality is you're not going to get yourself out of that trouble until you make a financial change. And that change needs to be one of behavior and it needs to be one of cutting up the credit cards. Oh, that's not the easy answer I was after. The second thing the, you need well, to do can is... I, just, just on that yep. too, I, I would say that the trouble with... You, you mentioned credit card debt there. We, mm -hmm. We've talked long and we'll continue to rant on and on and on about <laughs> the wonders of camp compounding and how like phenomenal it is. 
Um, but of course with, with, you know, cards where you're paying 20% interest or God yep. knows whatever it is, yep. you've got that compounding working against you. So you get to a situation where even if you stop spending and diligently try to pay that down because the ta the interest is so high yep. on that, yep. you just never get out of it. it. It compounds away from you yep. and it's a disaster. So one of the first things you should consider doing is consolidating all of that debt into somewhere where you can go onto some kind of plan. And even if you're doing this manually, um, or there's a, there's a number of institutions that will help you this, mm -hmm. uh, they'll, they'll give you a lower interest rate and they'll put you through a structured plan and you'll have a path, not an easy path, but a path out of your problems. And you have to cut up the card. Don't put yourself on a plan and then go and start spending again. It no, needs to be no, a God, no. squaring off credit and then getting yourself back out of trouble. Second thing is if you're in a situation where you've got too much other debt. So if you've got a house that's killing you, the mortgage is killing you. Mm. If your car repayments are killing you, mm. you need to make a change. You're going to need to sell the house. You're going to need to move out. You're going to need to get a renter in. You're going to need to sell the car. Mm. But I don't want to because that is not an answer, Phil. If you're under financial stress right now, this doesn't get better. And in fact, rates are probably going to go up, not down. So yeah. this is probably going to get worse. If you're in stre under stress now, you have an unsustainable lifestyle and you need to make a change. If this is you, if this is someone you know, if it's a friend, a family member, tell them they need to make a change. Send them a copy of the podcast. They need to stop spending. They need to sell down the house or the car, or whatever else is needed. As painful as it might be, it is going to, I promise you, be better for them in the long term if they do it now. Yeah, it makes such a huge difference, doesn't it? Boring, huh? <sighs> it's boring. I kind of think I wish we could give something a little bit better there. I think a lot, one of the dangers I see people try to, particularly in, in our area, people try and trade right. their way out of it. It's just like, you know, the, the solution is seen as, well, I'll take some riskier bets. I'll, <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'll get a pile of money and then I'll pay it down. Yep. And that just rarely works out. Yep. Mate, we better wrap this up. Um, we've done it again. Um, we've gone well over time. <laughs> uh, remember, you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money Podcast Indeed. through iTunes or through whatever Android podcast app you are using. How and, many stars should they give us, Andrew? Uh, I gave it five. I think we're worth five I stars. I was uh, if there was possible to give six, then do that, but <laughs> we'll take five. We'll take five. It doesn't go all the way to 11, unfortunately, <laughs> It doesn't, podcast. no, it if does it, not. If, it, if we could, it would. It would. five stars will do. <laughs> and don't forget, fools, go to fool.com.au forward slash Triple M, and there you can subscribe to our mailing list where you can get free advice and commentary from us and our boss Bruce Jackson and find a little bit more about The Motley Fool. Give us a go. It's free. We think it's worth it. No credit card required. Nicely done. So Thank until you, next week, full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.